What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Triflix Cast. I'm Tristan, and this is Cole. Cole, I'm here. Yeah. So, what is this? It's the it's the thing that we just do in the middle of our every other week where uh, I don't know what do we do, Cole? <laughs> Nothing productive. Yeah. It's <laughs> no. actually it's uh it's just breaking down some things that we see in our industry or projects that we're currently working on within um what is what is our industry? film sort of yeah 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 we do film commercial filmmaking but not like traditional filmmaking uh, yeah not so much nope not no. at all no people that we film are fully clothed we're gonna redo this <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> And we're gonna what? <laughs> <laughs> the hell do you mean they're fully clothed? <laughs> we <laughs> That's the part of the film industry that we work in. <laughs> not the part of the film industry where <laughs> they're not clothed. But is that really what defines what we do? <laughs> no, but it's entertaining. <laughs> Uh, all right, roll an intro. I thought it was good. Roll, roll, roll <laughs> an intro. Um, okay, welcome to the Triflex Cast, the uh, bi-weekly show where we break down things in our industry where we're clothed. <laughs> and uh, in the industry that we're in is uh, the filmmaking, uh, independent, creator space, entrepreneurial, all, all those things that relate and a bunch of stuff that doesn't. All the good buzzwords. All those good tags for SEO. So if you're here and you clicked on this video, it's because we found you. You didn't find us. Nope. We found you. We knew you were coming all along. Yeah. You came for uh, this tag up here. Right. Or this one. Oh, yeah. We don't we do not do any post-production on these. They just go <laughs> yeah. live. Use your imagination. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is you search, that's why you're here. We, we knew it was going to happen. But we do have some things that we want to talk about today. Cole, what are they? Uh, hold on. We have an outline. We have, Tristan normally writes it. Mm, yeah, that's why it's hard to read. <laughs> this that's exactly right. Usually is a lack of punctuation and uh, grammar. Just yeah, all the there's things. There's just a lot of missing in between words, as I call them. <laughs> Anything that's not a noun is just a void of the s- <laughs> the the things that your brain automatically should fill in. Yeah, I don't even look at it. I know there. I know it's up on the Trello. I just. Ooh. Let's wild. just go straight I was going to say, yeah. Trello. Yeah. Trello. 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 What the heck's Trello. a Trello? All right. Project management. Let's talk about it's that. Shark. Um, so we've had quite a few projects uh, in the last couple weeks. And yes. a lot of them are like reoccurring projects where you have one client asking for like eight videos or nine videos or we just picked up another three videos for a client. And you have to manage all of those projects. And don't miss anything and, and communicate. And, and, and how do we do that? Sticky notes. So many sticky notes. Yes. No. What are no. sticky notes, Tristan? <laughs> the we, we the fanciest of sticky notes. No, that would be a terrible way to run a company. You shouldn't use sticky. I mean, maybe in the side sticky yeah. notes, but you, you won't want to use that for the project management. Didn't you used to use sticky notes? I still do. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. we use okay. virtual sticky we notes do. now. We do. We use a yes. virtual Kanban system, and it is Ooh. just a, it's just a bunch of columns, um, that we use for like our production uh, pipeline. So you have uh, write, shoot, edit, distribute, get feedback, and then we go through this pipeline of our projects. So we have this digital thing called Trello, and it, it makes it really easy. I like it a lot. But I know that they just came out with a bunch of updates, and I want them, but we have to be paid. For the power-ups, or what do you mean? No, they like redesigned it. Trello? Yeah, they did, a, they did one of the largest updates they've done since launch. Hmm. And it's got all these new features. I, I wish I could remember them, but uh, it looked really fancy. But you have to be a paid member. I'd pay and for Trello. So <clears throat> the reason I bring that up is uh, we. I recently got Cole onto it after being on it for probably what two years, and I was given this information by David. He got me yeah, on it originally. I, I, that guy. <laughs> I tried to get you on it, and then you 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 came around. You got, yeah. you got into it eventually. Yeah. Uh, I started using it for pretty much everything. We use it, uh, we have individual boards for large clients that we have where it's large reoccurring projects. And then we have our main pipeline board and that is all of our individual one-off clients. And we can move it through this process of, like I said, the writing phase, the 
we go out and do shoots, we edit, we get reviews, we we have to go for through billing. There's just a lot of steps that people forget are part of the independent filmmaking side where, you know, you only have a handful of people doing a ton of different jobs. Yep. And uh, it, it helps keep us organized. And then we paired that with uh, Monday.com, which you <laughs> found for us. Yeah. For better or for worse. Hmm. I hate I hate that they named it Monday. Monday. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. Why? Well, the hard part about I know. having that name Monday is just if you need uh, assistance and you want to like do a search online, you're like, uh, Monday, how to like start projects or how to organize or Monday templates. It brings up a bunch of things that are related to the day of the week and not the actual software. <laughs> yeah, it's like... We haven't even explained what it is, but you have no idea how to tell what Monday is by us talking. Monday.com tells you nothing about what the yeah, service it's is. It's true, though. It's and every time we talk about it, we're like, hey, did, did, you, so did, you, did, you, did you see the changes in Monday? And they're like, Monday? Mm-hmm. Or did you check Monday? And you're like, did I check on what on Monday? Right. It's like the <laughs> who, who's on first, what's on second. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And... Uh, Monday's been really good and we don't use that for project management so much as uh, deadline tracking and technically you could do that in Trello as well but I just like the way the UI looks it's um, line items and it's just like one line of text versus having like large chunks it's good for time tracking yes it is good for time tracking yeah I love it for time tracking I think the way that they explain it themselves like monday.com the company I think it's like it's a powered up fancy excel essentially Mm -hmm. because the thing is is like it's an open software not not in the sense of coding but it's open in the way of you know they have templates that you can set up and it's just a grid system so Mm -hmm. part of what i pulled it on for was so that we have a crm which is a client relations manager yeah um so we can put in like the names of the client the company they work for industries they're related to um, contact information and just put a bunch it's like an aggregate of a bunch of our information that we can go to so whether i'm working on a project or cole's working on a project or whoever starts it another person can go in and seamlessly see all of this information relative to the client right uh the project and all of these are tied together using um different i don't know what they call them bots or uh, integrations I integrations think. Mm. yeah yeah <laughs> not to cut you off but i mean that's just yeah, no, what we use it for really yeah yeah and we, and we just have so it's a, kind of the same thing i mean with and it's not the same thing as trello but we kind of use it as an extension of that mm-hmm. um, in conjunction of the two and it's again we're like we can set up all these different boards essentially that all clip together so yeah. they share information they share data and again it's all online based so if i have an interaction with a customer that was kind of a big point for us is if I have an interaction with a client, I can put an update in. And then next time, if David has interaction or Tristan does, he can go into the updates, look and see when, when we talked last, what we talked about, and start the conversation without mm-hmm. having to go, hey, cool, you know? Yeah. When did you talk to Joe Schmo the other day? And what about? And this is not us advocating for yes. you to Monday or anything. I'm just saying in general... Uh, if you're a company, you need to have some way of project management and that's why we have it. And I brought this up for a reason. Yes. Because we pay money every month for this as a service and there's still holes in, in the way that they have it set up. It's very startup based, like it's very, um, early, almost beta. A lot of the features that we use are beta features. So I can't complain too much about how well they function. Uh, we had one issue with, with the, with the software where, I was uh, keeping track of all the hours for a project and some of the hours didn't convert from the project to the graphs and data. And I used those graphs and data to bill our customers on an hourly basis. And because those hours were missing, I was I went back and checked all the numbers. I was missing out on thousands of dollars of income. Gosh. So I'm like, hey, hey, Monday. It's like, you don't mess around with my income. <laughs> Monday, what are you doing? What are you doing, Monday? But uh, there's there's workarounds to get it fixed. The thing that Monday is supposed to be is very automated. Yes. And the issues that I'm having are due to the automations not functioning properly. Uh, and that's just kind of frustrating because then I have to go back and manually fix things that the automation should be repairing it's we've run into that with monday not that again we're not 
saying use it or don't use it we use it at the for the time being but i still i really like it we've run into some of the small issues that you would think would make sense that they would work that mm-hmm. they would be very functional at this even at this early stage and they're not mm-hmm. um but you know tristan's taking care of that he makes sure and lets lets uh, the monday crew know yeah yeah <laughs> what what things we can uh work on and fix um and what it really comes down to is similar to excel you have uh, rows and columns hmm. and the very first one is like your primary column and that's what drives all the data following that row and the primary one is the the name or the title and their graphs will not uh, pull data from the title it has to be from the primary column it has to be like a sub category uh and since, since i can't pull data from that title column to make graphs uh, I have to make a duplicate uh, column and name it the exact same thing that the title column is. So it's just repetitive data. And the only reason I missed it was because we usually use Trello integrations. So Trello, we make, we make a project with a client and it immediately populates Monday. Well, then we have uh, Monday, we'll make another automation where once once that line item's created and it has the title, it also makes another column with the exact same name. So it's all automated. It's redundant, but it's still automated and it shouldn't be a problem. The issue occurs whenever you make a, uh, a row that isn't from Trello and you just manually create a project. And the reason I would do that is if I have time tracking for something that doesn't really have a workflow, uh, maybe it's just an update to a, a client's um, website or something and they just need a, the title changed. I don't, I don't need to make a whole card for that. Right. Because it takes me like three seconds to do. Uh, But if I'm doing that over the course of a month and it's a bunch of three second random unique changes, that's, you know, a couple couple minutes to a couple hours, depending on how many of those I have to do. And over the course of a couple months, it equaled out to a couple thousand dollars. So, yeah. Now, you know. Now I know. (laughs) Nothing better than learning that way. Yeah. Uh, What it... uh, what do you want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? Yeah, it doesn't even have to be from there. I don't care. <laughs> I want to hear about... I have things that I want to talk about, so let's let's I... say you have a spat. No, no, I want to hear about this... Um, Oh, no, here. Let's let's talk about Bitcoin and Dogecoin. Oh, David can talk about that. Yeah. Oh, if we want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. What do we want to talk about? Well, I, I know that uh, and David over here is a huge... He owns a ton of Dogecoin. Oh, yeah. The oh, only right. reason that, that that one's going up in price is because he's been buying it up. Yeah, he's driving Absolutely. that price up. <laughs> yeah. So Bitcoin, Dogecoin, what is it? Because I still don't fully comprehend Bit uh, uh, Chain blockchain. 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 We going to? We want to start with blockchain. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Give me someone yeah. out of blockchain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. First off, what's the difference between like stocks and a company? And and these coins, like why why are people equating? Oh, you could buy GameStop or Amazon or mm. Apple, and people are like, well, why would you buy that when you could invest in Bitcoin? Like, what are the differences right. between those options? So volatility. Yeah, they're both very volatile. Stop for I think for very similar reasons because stocks are it's, it's represented by what people value. It's like mm-hmm. well, GameStop has value because they want it to have value, and so they buy it. And there's like know supply and demand like the basic uh i don't know economics that you learn and so that that's kind of how that is i'm not like a financial major or an accountant or anything so nothing that i'm going to say is verified information go <laughs> talk to a per- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> talk to a, an official person who knows what they're talking about this is just a general knowledge that i've gathered uh but it's kind of the same thing with um bitcoin and all these like digital currencies is that they they're ra- they have a rarity to them, so there's like a hard cap on how much can exist, and mm-hmm. that's a whole like different aspect of it. But it's also like people need to value it, or else it's not going to be worth anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that that's kind of how I see it. I don't know if everybody agrees. That's how Bitcoin or uh, Dogecoin. <laughs> so so there is. So where does the value of it come from? It's just because a limited number exists and a limited number could ever be produced within a time frame. Yes. Uh, so it, it goes back to that word blockchain and that's the, the world of like these, uh, cryptocurrencies is based on the fact is that 
everybody is doing transactions with them. Mm -hmm. And then everybody has like a public ledger of all these transactions. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's just writing down, Oh, you gave him $20 and you, you gave him like $40 or you owe me 50 bucks. And that, that's, that is the only thing that's like keeping track of what amount of money is in the world. And you get rewarded for keeping track of the ledger mm-hmm. and helping verify those transactions. Because if it's all public and everybody's just saying, hey, I gave you this or hey, I did that, it's it'd be kind of hard to prove anything otherwise. So blockchain is people volunteering their hardware, like their computer and, and their off mm-hmm. time when they're not using it to to be calculating these ledgers. Yes, and oh. the calculations come into play is when, uh, is that verification process? Because you need to make sure those are real transactions. Mm-hmm. And so there's groups of them like um, at a time combined into blocks. Mm-hmm. And previous blocks that have been verified help verify new ones by finding um, the crypto crypto... Not that crypto crap. The crypto crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's where the crypto part comes into a cryptocurrency is that you're uh, dealing with things called hashes, which mm-hmm. is you take, a, you take an input, you run it through a machine, and then it throws out a unique number. Mm-hmm. So like all these transactions mm-hmm. can be represented by a very special unique name mm-hmm. or an ID. And that's really important because if anything in those transactions changed, so if like I gave you $39 instead of $40, it would completely change the, the name of that block. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we do is we have a whole bunch of computers running and saying this b- block of transactions gives me this name or this really big number mm-hmm. and it's unique to it. And so if everybody agrees these are the transactions that happened. You can't really make up a fake one yeah, uh, because there's just so many securities. Like you have to sign off on a transaction. You have to approve it. And that also has its own little unique ID. And, um, but it's really expensive and task, uh, a really expensive task uh, to find out what that special ID is. Just because of energy consumption of it. Yeah, and that's intentional. It could be super easy right. to find the ID, but they, they are, it was designed so it has to be uh, very expensive and time-consuming to find that right ID. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. those pre- the previous IDs from other blocks are included in new ones. Okay. And so you that's why it's called a chain, because they're all connected, okay. and you can't like go back and change the past because yeah. it would radically change everything else. So gotcha. it's like, why are, why are we talking about this? What does yeah. this have to do with our industry? Uh, the reason this is cool outside of just an investing standpoint where, and I guess I should probably paraphrase everything. You got, you got <laughs> these, you got these computers in the background and they're running calculations to determine mm-hmm. whether or not a bunch of real world transactions existed and how, how they interacted throughout the world. And by the, by doing this validation, they're getting hashes and mm-hmm. creating blocks yeah and then i'm <laughs> like getting, I'm, I'm getting like this is me like learning it for the first time because i've known about it for like two or three years and you explaining it actually helped me understand i think enough mm-hmm. of it um so so that's like the concept there it has value because there's a limited supply of it and people want it for various reasons and that's up to the individual the same way people pay a lot of money for art Right? So like mm-hmm. Mona Lisa, ton of money. Why is it valuable? Because there's only one and yep. nobody else can have it. However, what if what if you want to make really expensive art, right? How do you do that? Especially now yeah. that everything's digital. There's a new thing called crypto art. And crypto art uh, makes a lot more sense to me now that you explained. <laughs> what is uh, crypto art? Yeah, Bitcoin. I've never heard of this. Crypto art, uh, I just learned about this uh, the other week. It is the idea of creating digital art pieces that you you know how like somebody would make a digital art and you're like uh i can just do save as and i can make a copy of it and now i have two mm-hmm. and there's an unlimited supply the idea of using the same technology for crypto of just giving something an id and then saying there's only one of this in the world mm-hmm. and then using a public ledger to document that there's only one in the ah. world that was in transaction okay that's so, freaking cool so as an artist it wouldn't just be 
photography. It could be digital paintings. It could be video work. It could be anything. And then whatever you produce it, somebody else buys it. And it's like, I have the only Triflix video in the world. I have the only, uh, uh, (laughs) photography from this artist. Uh, and that's where the value comes in because if you invest now in an artist that you really like in 20 years from now, if they blow up, let's say, let's say you found Justin Bieber whenever he was like 13 before he really got famous and you're like, I like that song. I'm buying that song or this headshot or whatever it is. You can say you have the only one in the world. Now people can always screenshot, but, or, or copy save as, but there is a loss of data in that. Right. So at the end of the day, you would say I have the highest quality version of it. So even if people try to steal it, it's the mm. same idea of going to the the Lou Museum. Is that where the Mona Lisa is? I think it's the Lou. I don't know. It's, it's a great question. Okay. Yeah. Wherever you go to Mona Lisa <laughs> and you take your phone out and you take a picture with your phone, you're like, I have a photo of the Mona Lisa. It's like, yeah, but it's not the same. No one's going to pay you the same amount for that as the original. And because crypto art is a public ledger, everyone knows who has the real version or you could at least if you wanted to sell it you could validate mm-hmm. you have the original copy yeah that's awesome yeah yeah so whoever started doing that that's smart yeah well that idea completely stemmed from cryptocurrency right mm-hmm. and it, it's leading this new trajectory for artists where you don't have to go through a distribution center like you can be successful on your own just having a small youtube community or facebook or instagram or wherever your community is like that those people can be enough to support you. That's smart. Yeah. That's smart because yeah. that stuff, you know, everything can just be copied and duplicated. Every, I mean, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And especially then, in our industry. Yeah. And especially yeah. like uh, uh, the music industry too, as an individual artist. I would, I mean, I would want a lot of people to see my videos or my photography or whatever it is. But to sell their rights to it and to say you're the person that technically owns it is a really cool concept. That's crazy. Um, Who's going to start the Napster for a crypto art? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Steal your crypto art. I mean, piracy is kind of making a surge again now that like all of like Hulu and Netflix are taking the rights to things and people don't want to pay a ton for... 30 streaming yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean in a way piracy is coming back and essentially that's all napster was was just a a central hub for piracy till you get a letter from your isp uh i don't know if i want to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) but that's okay because our unofficial sponsor nord vpn can keep Keep you safe you can keep you safe you can safely browse from norway (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh well japanese netflix you got it i mean that's a good point i'm talking about sponsors we don't have any and we would love one. We would love a or good a old, good old yeah. sponsor. Yeah. I like money. <laughs> uh, Do you I like? Mean, I like money. Do you like money? Yeah. I'm on the fence about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know. cryptocurrency maybe. Crypto yeah. art. I want some Doge coin. Yeah. Send me some of that Doge, bro. Send me, send me some Doge. Is that trading over five cents? <laughs> I don't know what's that right now. <laughs> uh, so, well, I, speaking of art, I want to hear about this. Uh, yeah, I know you've got on the, on the, on the docket for ro- rotoscoping and yeah. AI. I, yeah. There's like a piece of software that you wanted to talk about. I did. I want to hear about this. Uh, EB synth. So Let's we're talking about, uh, how technology is evolving and it changes the way the art industry works as a whole, how video making and all this works. Uh, rotoscoping is the thing you do as an artist, uh, on 2d products so videos and photos and you just you take a little tool and you just trace around something and you can take it out of the photo or video and and remove the background or you can go around it and remove the the inner part of it and that's all rotoscoping is you're just tracing around things and removing elements and it's really cool because you use it in vfx you add you trace around somebody you can add an explosion behind them or uh, you trace around a car and you replace the hood uh, with like um, I don't know, like uh, an explosion or everything's explosions. Everything's I was explosions, explosions, a, a dented yeah. hood, whatever. Like there's a lot of VFX to it and there's a lot of layers and rotoscoping, 
uh, is extremely notorious for being time consuming because you have to go around yes. everything. And in a movie, it's usually 24 frames per second. So every second you have to trace around something 24 times and a 10 second clip of, let's say it's like uh, Star Wars or something, something big. And you just have to rotoscope around Han Solo so that you can add a big sun and the second sun in the sky behind his head because Star Wars has tons of planets, right? Tons. So you got to add this sun behind him and it's 10 seconds of the footage and there's 24 frames. It's 240 frames and it's going to take one artist mm, probably about four or five hours to do that depending on how complex the hair is because you have to go around all like the little fibers of the hair otherwise he's going to have like this helmet head of hair where it's just like real smooth so they have to be very delicate and be very uh uh intentional about how they're doing this this isn't something you can do mindlessly however <laughs> technology is advancing and there's a new piece of software called eb synth and it is ai that looks at a lot of photos of people and and does this algorithm to know what people look like over many iterations and it's like this is hair and this is eyes and this is a face so then you can just select the person you want to remove or to trace around or to rotoscope around and, and it'll select them and it does it pretty well as long as you don't get too crazy with it and the reason the reason uh I bring that up is if a person's moving really fast like there's a lot of motion blur so the faster i'm moving the easier it is to rotoscope around because there's there's a, a lot of change in what you're seeing at the same time but if a person's sitting really still and you try to rotoscope it my arm's just moving slightly or the hairs on my hand are moving slightly and then over over a longer period of time there's very little change and the computer gets confused and and it looks like crap <laughs> that's that's just what happens and it's the same if you did it by hand or if you did it with ai software so there's some limitations to it but if a person's moving it's much faster to use this eb synth software and it just does it automatically right it's a time saver yeah yeah and i use final cut but some people use premiere and premieres had this thing called uh like uh, roto brush or whatever for a long time and everybody's like, oh, why do I need EB, and EB Synth or whatever if uh, Premiere's been doing this forever? Because Adobe's built on old code that's like 20 years old and it's outdated and it crashes all the time. And EB Synth has some issues with it too, but it's AI based. So it's gonna develop and get better and better just by you using it alone. Plus it's a global network. So everybody using it is gonna make it better. And Rotobrush is just gonna be the same in 10 years from now, unless someone goes in and updates the code. Which uh, I'll, I'll throw it in. I know that Adobe's doing a lot more AI stuff. There's a lot of it that's based through AI. I know you don't use Adobe very much. I use it on a day-to-day -day basis and I try to pay attention to it a little bit. So along those same lines, I don't work as much with actual, you know, not film but videos mm -hmm. so I, I work more with still images mm -hmm. um but still you know for our podcast thumbnails or whatever i'm rotoscoping around mm -hmm. <laughs> everybody so that i can pull and pluck and change things from images over time they've now made it so where you can just hit buttons that's like you know select subject or refine the hair mm -hmm. so it can pick out specific spots all that's ai based now yeah. Or picking, like, now they have a feature in Photoshop where it can actually find the sky through AI and then replace it. Mm -hmm. And so all those features are backed up from the cloud now and are all AI-based. Yeah. So I, I know that they're, like, implementing those things across Adobe products as well. Not saying that they don't, they don't still crash because they still crash all the time, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially Premiere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the issue as much with Photoshop and Lightroom, but... Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's a, I think it, it'll eventually affect all software. And oh, it sure. makes sense that it starts at 2d level first. So like right. you have Lightroom and Photoshop, those are 2d software for a still image. Yeah. And eventually it'll work its way into moving pictures because a movie or a video is just yes. 24 frames per second or 60 or whatever they're shooting at. But regardless, yeah. for it to work in Lightroom, okay, is good. But to take yeah. something that's okay and say, do that 24 times every second, uh, 
you would take it would take longer to render that's fine whatever yep. i'll wait if it does it automatically because that's time i don't have to work on it however whenever it spits out the image and everyone's okay whenever you like try to stack up all these layers in a row and, and watch it in a row like the hairs on the person's head will constantly be appearing and disappearing right like part of their face yep. will appear and disappear because it's doing an okay job on a still image but you still have to doctor that and that's what you're doing with like rotobrush yes that's what people are also doing with rotobrush for video and they have to do that over and over it's just time consuming so um uh, i don't like disagree it's awesome for like still images and eventually it'll be awesome for video too mm -hmm. uh it's just that eb synth is the first one to take a full-on ai approach to rotoscoping um without requiring legacy code yes yeah and i'm sure there's probably some other niche companies that have been bought out by google over the last 10 15 years that did the same thing probably but um i just think it's really cool because they're open source and it's still it was an alpha i think it's in beta now and there's only a handful of people in the world that use it regularly and mm -hmm. the ones that are using it regular are kind of blown up on youtube now yeah. um uh, Joel Haver. Joel uh, Haver. Uh, he he was like only maybe twelve thousand subscribers. He was pretty small on YouTube, and he blew up on Reddit with his uh, it was like a Skyrim video that he did it in. Mm -hmm. It's like first time playing an RPG ever, and it's like about this character that goes through and accidentally like kills the main character of the story. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it's just really well done. And like one of the main things that sold it was that. The, the stylized rotoscoping that the AI helped generate mm -hmm. is yeah. nothing like it. So um, there's another artist that I, I wanted to plug on here, and I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's from Brazil. And, and somewhere in the corner, I'm going to link his channel at this part. Uh, he was doing these insane VFX shots where he makes a similar looking costume. And without any VFX, the costume looks terrible. But he's pushing the idea of how great this AI software is. So he can make this like crappy looking armor out of uh, construction paper and he can like draw, uh, you know, like a couple of lines under his face um, and maybe do his hair a different way. And it, it, it looks worse than a Halloween costume. And he walks on and he'll do the recording and then he uses this EB synth software, this rotoscoping software. And it not only traces around a person, you can um, apply effects to it and it'll apply those effects to all of the additional frames, not just the first one. So he would draw a little bit of detail in the armor in Photoshop and make it look really good. And then the software knows, okay, so this is what this crappy armor looks like on every frame and you want it to look like this really good, so uh, really good armor that you hand drew. I'm gonna take this image that you did by hand and apply it to all of them. Now, Joel Haver did this by just doing animations and he just does a crappy little South Park outline of his person and draws like a smile on him. And then it applies that outline and color to all of them. But this guy, he's taking it like to a whole nother extreme where uh, he's applying scars to the face and he's completely changing the way the hair looks. And it doesn't, it's not a cartoon, it's photo real. Hmm. So like VFX shots that would have taken weeks to do or require um, 3d modeling and you'd have to track the face and you'd have to replace the head with a new one. You can, you can look like whoever you want. And it's the same, uh, the same application as, um, uh, what is the face swapping thing that everybody was talking about like a year ago during the elections? Deep fake. Oh. That's Spencer, yeah. by the way. He's here for the yeah, podcast. He's somewhere. <laughs> we don't have a camera on him. He's back in the corner. He's in the corner. Stay there, boy. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's the same thing as deep fakes, but instead of just using it on the face, he's taking EB synth and applying it to the shoulders or the hair or wherever he wants and, and taking that image and applying it to all of them. Hmm. And it works really well straight on. Now, if you like want to turn the head sideways and yep. from over the shoulder, then it gets a little wonky, but AI will just keep getting better. So that brings the question. I've seen articles all over the place of people going, is AI ruining video and, pho and photography? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I feel like I've talked to them. <laughs> um, oh, well, I mean, I, I was just curious. I think... I'll pitch in after you. Yeah. I think tech 
technology is good because it makes hard tasks simpler and then you can focus on other things that you want to focus on the film however mm-hmm. the downside to that is um uh, simple problems that used to exist keep getting covered by technology so some of like the creative muscles are kind of i think going away a little bit because you could have been applying it to this old process and some dude with technology fixed it and that's an excuse a lot of people use um so i think there's always going to be a number of problems on set or a number of vfx shots or whatever that you want to do and isn't the whole point for creatives to be able to take a concept in their mind and make it reality if that Mm. process simpler then i don't think that's a bad thing and anybody that disagrees with that is probably (laughs) a traditionalist and that's not a bad thing either if you Mm. like doing claymations by hand even though you could probably do the similar effect in 3d software a lot faster and fix it a lot easier in post then do claymations because that's what that's what you like and that's what you want to do but uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make the new way of doing it any less valid um however Mm. like throwing luts and uh (laughs) grades on your instagram post doesn't make you an artist either if that's what you like to do then go for it but (laughs) i think that's probably because i i agree with everything you said of course um but i think that that's probably the biggest problem that people have with it outside of the you know just i think it's the accessibility because okay. you're you're taking that ceiling of accessibility and pulling it down, and then mm. you do you do get that portion of people mm-hmm. that's like, well, hey, this is more accessible. I'm going to do this now. I'm in that realm. But when why it's is like that a bad thing, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing per se, but it's like again throwing something on just because you're like, oh, okay, this works and this looks cool, and then you move on down the road. Like, where does where does the skill come in? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think having to learn the learn through the process like we have and go, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to tackle this task, whether that's photography or video. Mm -hmm. And I've had to do it the long way. You know what I mean? (laughs) And, and, and so you respect the process and you respect the new tools and it's not just something that was just there the whole time. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Right. Um, I think that taking the time to invest and learn something is it does give you like a respect for it yeah. and the work that yeah. goes into it. Cause it's like the yeah. minute they added that refine hair button and it's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. There's nine mm-hmm. times out of 10 it works, mm-hmm. but it's like when they did that, I was like, okay, that's really cool. Cause hair is really hard to rotoscope around. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, you know, the difficulties of doing so. <laughs> so yeah. you're like, wow this is actually a really cool feature and like i appreciate this mm-hmm. and i just think that that appreciation flows throughout the whole artistic process i but, feel like but does that make the work better that, that, that's the that's like it can the age-old fight with like technology isn't it like think about oh, yeah. how all the lumberjacks felt when the chainsaw was invented. <laughs> That's yeah. true. It's like, I've spent hours cutting down this one tree <laughs> that so much work and effort put into it. Yeah. You come along with this chainsaw and it takes you like five minutes. Does it, does it affect the value of the tree? Now in that case, it's less artistic. So it's a, that's more of like a straightforward, Mm-hmm. The tree's cut. It's done. The job's done. <laughs> yeah, I'm really just trying to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. good. There's plenty of times where, you know, you you see things, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I know how to hold a camera in my hand and choose the right functions in the manual mode, not not <laughs> auto, and I know how to get the shot that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you see somebody out there that's like, Oh, I've shot everything on my cell phone and look how beautiful my art is. And I'm not saying that you can't do that and that it doesn't exist, but it's a, that different art form. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to look at and be like, I res- I respect it the same amount. So I feel like I used to think about that a lot. Yeah. It was the idea of everything's already been done, but then mm-hmm. people like Joel Haver came up and this other dude that I plugged earlier, like, these people went out of their way to go use software that was in alpha and beta, learned how to use it, and then created something, platforms like YouTube that have millions of uploads a week, maybe, a lot, mil- billions you know, of yeah. hours uh, uploaded. And it's like, 
they made something no one ever had. Yeah. So to me, which is amazing that I can get behind. Like, I think there's still like a lot of respect that goes towards people that do something more traditional, but I think as artists, everybody's always trying to find what's this, what's the new thing that I can do that nobody's ever done before. Yeah. And that's not always the healthiest feel because you know like you're get that. if you're a musician or you know like how many different songs <laughs> about guys breaking your heart or your truck breaking down can you sing it's true and how many videos can you put out that are about action and vfx and explosions and and love stories and rom-coms like after a while the story just kind of repeats itself so it's like what can I do that's unique? Look how many sequels yeah. we have right now. <laughs> All these reboots. Hey, instead of making something new, let's reboot it. Yeah. yeah. So like I used to think that like, oh, everything's already been done because all these stories have already been told, but then new software or new, new technology comes out yeah. and, and yet people continue to make things that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. It's like everybody's seen yeah. an animation. Everyone's seen video games. So why is Joel Haver unique? Mm-hmm. It's because he found a bunch of cool things that he was genuinely interested in, including software that not many people had used, took the time and learned it. And then everybody watched it and they're like, dude, that's amazing. That had to be really time consuming. Like there's, there's art that goes into it. There's like creativity, there's the expertise and the, the knowledge that goes in investing in the learning software that doesn't come with instructions. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know where I fall on that, but I do think it's really cool that people still come up with unique ideas that are original oh yeah no i agree with that because sometimes you do feel you're like is it just the same thing over and over and over (laughs) it's refreshing yeah (laughs) hey look something new (laughs) thank you for pushing our industry Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know what do you think about art Oh, uh, I, I just really like the, we're, we're in an interesting time period right now with AI because mm-hmm. we are on, on the curve of where things can go. Uh, there's the implementation and like, oh, it's just, I need to gather my thoughts. So <laughs> when it comes Too to much. Like t- technology being developed, there's a curve that goes like, all right, like we're in early stages. Then there's a huge explosion and yep. then just goes up and increases, increases, increases. And on these curves in that middle area, you don't know where you are when you're in the middle of it. And we're right now we're in the middle of it with AI. So we have no sure. idea if we're, just on the cusp of finding out what we what we can do with AI, or if this is like it, <laughs> if this is the best we can do, and it is, we're, we're in the middle of a, like a magical moment. We don't know if like AI is going to just unlock like cures to cancer, or if it's just going to continue to give us crappy videos on YouTube. <laughs> so, I that's a uh, we we're we're in the middle of this time. We we get to live out uh, this beautiful little moment of what AI maybe can turn out to be. Is it going to be like the new Apple computer that explodes and everybody like <laughs> it wants a computer now? It's like, oh, it's super cool. I want an AI now. Or is it going to be like the Samsung Note that literally explodes? <laughs> right. It literally catches on fire. explodes and just destroys itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or yeah. humanity. Yeah. Or do we get Skynet? I don't know. Well, we technically got Skylink, uh, Starlink. (laughs) (laughs) And okay. (laughs) I mean, I I feel like Elon could have called it Skynet. The negative connotation probably would have killed it in its tracks. I'm honestly surprised he didn't. Just for the meme. (laughs) Just for the meme. Ludicrous speed on his cars. Why not? He owns the freaking boring company. Do you guys remember like a couple years ago when blockchain was like the whole like fad terms? Like, can we add blockchain to it? Now it has blockchain and whatever. Now, do you remember that at all? I remember it was a buzzword that everybody was Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like AI is the new buzzword. It's like, can we have AI on that? It's like, no, it's just a button that lets you buy something on (laughs) Amazon. We don't need AI. David, do you remember um, HTC came out with a blockchain phone? Oh my god! No. <laughs> what was it? It was I. Just I guess blockchain had some blockchain in it. Yeah, it just had some blockchain <laughs> in it. Because I think one of the big things about blockchain is that it's decentralized, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like a lot of people are into that whole decentralized, you know, internet, yeah. like you know, don't trust the system. Don't trust the system. And so it's like it was like an off the grid type of phone. So how is it decentralized? But there's a public ledger. Well, that's what it means. Uh, yeah. Because with banks, uh, the, it's a centralized system where everything's being 
tracked by like certain entities. <laughs> yeah, like without the United States government, the dollar wouldn't be worth anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what it means to be a centralized currency. One body is determining the value and all that stuff with it. Hmm. Uh, block or cryptocurrencies are decentralized. Everybody ah. has to be in charge of it. Okay, it's for yeah. the people. Of the people, by the people. Interesting. <laughs> I know that. I mean, originally, whenever it boomed, like four years ago or whatever, when it went from like four hundred to twelve k, and then it bottomed out again. It, the mm-hmm. main reason it blew up was because it became accessible to the Chinese economics. Mm-hmm. Really. And being decentralized, it couldn't be tracked, and a lot of people in a country where they're heavily observed by their people <laughs> uh, yeah no that's the truth they, they wanted a currency that would allow them to make acquisitions unobserved and um, we still want to release this episode to the chinese what is <laughs> what is the so billy they, they have uh i think it's called billy billy is like their youtube over there but it's specifically yeah. for like tech and gaming so yeah, we we would not be allowed on Billy Billy over there. <laughs> Darn! Oh, uh, man. I don't want anyone to disappear. <laughs> and <laughs> episode four, Cole's not here. <laughs> we don't know where he is. He's going on vacation. He's like, hey, we like you like call into the podcast. You're like, hey, have you seen my Huawei phone or whatever it is? <laughs> Huawei. Huawei. It's Huawei. Like, cool. It's got blockchain. <laughs> blockchain. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> um, wow, we we have gone off the rails. Yeah, a lot of blockchain on this one. Blockchain AI. Blockchain uh, buzzwords. No, it has blockchain on it. Yeah, we didn't even <laughs> talk about Doge, Dogecoin, but yeah. That's okay. We don't need to. We don't need to talk about that dog coin. Doggy coin. Uh, <laughs> uh, talking about centralized, did you guys hear uh, Illinois wanting to ban GTA? Are you talking about the video game? Yeah. GTA Grand Theft Auto. I saw it on here and I was like, what? Yeah. Marcus Evans, the some senator uh, or state rep from <laughs> Illinois, said there's been an increase in carjackings and a lot of these people are minors um, and they believe that yeah. GTA's influenced them to be young, stupid, go steal cars because the worst that's going to happen is you'll get a six month probation. <laughs> is that really the worst that happens uh i feel like I, I don't know if that's actually the worst but oh, okay. they use that as the example of why kids feel that there's no remorse for stealing a car no one gets hurt it's just a piece of material and it's like yeah. you know with the recent release of grand theft auto 5 in 2013 i guess it makes sense right? <laughs> i know right yeah <laughs> it, now in 2021 of we're all of a sudden <laughs> yeah so uh, it, <laughs> Which just, I- <laughs> it just brings up the idea of whether or not the government gets a say in art and in, in restrictions of art like, hmm. and, and then also what is like your, uh, responsibility as a creator to like provoke people's minds? Like, are you yeah. like, at what point are you causing them to think too much about things? Cause you want, you want your viewers to be like, Oh, that's interesting. I've never thought of that before versus is there any responsibility on the artist and how people take your work? That is a, that's a big question to answer. On a podcast. On a podcast. Riff it. What do you? What's your well, gut instinct? What do you think? My gut instinct on that. The problem is, is I fall somewhere in the middle because. Because you have kids. Uh, well, nah. Uh, <laughs> they're, no, not, they're not mine. I mean, I turned out okay, and I played three or four different versions of GTA. So. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you call that okay? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, which I was gonna say, I'm like, right, first of all, how can they tie a direct correlation to mm. GTA if they're just stealing a car? Because they're not stealing a car and then going to pick up a prostitute, <laughs> and then okay. and then ditching the car, and then you know. To clarify. The initial thought was GTA, but he is pushing for this to Just extend entirety. to all video okay. games yeah. specific that um, uh, insinuate certain things, specific types of uh, illegal activities. Here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. I think that you can't, as an artist, right? I'm not like, I'm not sitting up there. Who, who's um, Who makes 
GTA. Who's the developer? Rockstar. Rockstar. I'm not sitting there at Rockstar being like, I'm going to develop this game so I can have an influence on, on children essentially Mm -hmm. so that they'll go, you know, kill or steal a car or whatever it might be. Right. I mean, that's not my, my main thought is to entertain it. You know, I mean, I think GTA, one of the biggest things about it is like, you can go on and you can do those things without recourse but it's never run through my mind like, oh, maybe I could do this in real life because there is no recourse. And and what I'm saying is, how is the developer responsible for the percentage of the population that mm-hmm. might take it seriously? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's kind of where I fall just because it's like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I get it. You can play both sides. But mm-hmm. at the end yeah. of the day, you're going, oh, well, I can't make this game, you know, like Red Dead. I can't make a game about cowboys in the West and shooting each other and killing each other because people are going to go out and do the same thing to each other. And then you get the question of what makes it acceptable. So yeah. GTA, murder and stealing cars is bad, but you play Call of Duty and because it's a war-based game, not, you know, exactly. in a specific location, yeah. it's okay to shoot people there. Um, right. Or because that, Assassin's Creed is, a is you know, you're in history and it's a fictional game that it's yeah. okay to continually murder, you know, public figures. Well, then that <laughs> brings up the other moral question of what, like, of GTA being, uh, being bad, but, like, Call of Duty is okay. It's like, so it's okay to kill people if it's war? And it's like murder versus killing and like a huge argument uh or a debate to be had mm-hmm. about all that and i don't i feel like collectively uh speak for everyone like yeah. as an artist you're i you should uh the, the old quote of um comfort the what is it the comfort the distressed and distress the comfortable or something like that i don't know like, i've never heard that so like you should bring um uh, like people that are comfortable where they are in life usually are comfortable because they aren't questioning things enough. So you want to make them uncomfortable by presenting art that makes them think. And people that are uncomfortable because they are going through life and they have to deal with all these things by putting out uncomfortable art, you're, you're giving them something relatable. Whenever um, Taken comes out and some dude loses his daughter and he's on this journey to to re uh reclaim her three times well and then the same the <laughs> same with like nemo it's just the kid version of it right yeah. it's like you're giving people this idea of what it's like to lose someone to long for them and to go yeah. out for it and you know some people live a good life they never lose anybody so to them it's uh it's like what is this idea of oh what would it be like to lose someone it's like that would be really hard so Mm-hmm. These movies can invoke emotions that people wouldn't normally have. It's true. And for someone that has lost someone, they could watch that and and understand like they could feel something from it as well. They could take something from it. So as an artist, yeah, but I don't want to be stand res- by that. I don't want to yeah. be responsible. You know, how am I responsible well, for the person that watches Taken and goes, okay, now I'm going to go take somebody's kid and hopefully yeah. they'll call me and it'll be Liam Neeson. And the, I mean, that's my point is I don't think it's our, I don't think it's the artist's right. responsibility. Your responsibility mm-hmm. is to create something that makes people think. Um, and thoughts are different than actions. Mm-hmm. People yes. are responsible for their actions based on the u.s law yes <laughs> you are responsible for your actions except yeah. in very um uh fringe cases the law is made for the majority not the minority and yeah. and there are people that get away with doing really bad things but usually it's because they're deemed uh out of control of their actions like their actions are beyond their capabilities of, of holding um, and that's where you see like really bad stuff and people get away with it However, i have something to add but i want to know what cole no i was just yeah. looking up that Carjacking in Illinois is a class one felony and it, and it is punishable by four to 15 years in prison. But what if it's a minor? That's the, that was, that was their conversation uh, was minors are getting like just a couple months. Never even thought okay. of or, or they'll go to juvenile, which yeah. is, you know, usually it's expunged once you turn an adult, whatever, like, oh, that's all off the record. Cause you were born an adult. Now, if you're 17, uh, you could be tried as an adult, et cetera. I find it so interesting that people focus so much on video games when it comes to violence because when it, before there was video games we there would be movies about it where you could go and watch things of like similar nature happen and before there was movies there was i don't know radio shows and then books and then yeah. paintings they would make giant paintings of battles and you could go and just look at them and why would you want to go look at a painting of a battle like that why would you want to go watch people be in the middle of dying 
Well, and, and it, it's those are like artistic pieces, but yeah. then it's like, well, does that mean we get to legislate real, um, real mm-hmm. acts that are recorded? So obviously there are certain illegal acts that if you recorded and uploaded, you would go to jail for. Right. Or um, it uh, it could be like it, it is moderated by the government essentially. Mm-hmm. And there are other illegal things that it's okay to post and nothing bad happens. So clearly the government already legislates what people can and can't see. So then you get into the rating systems. Yeah. Yeah. But at least, at least then there's a rating system. Um, But I was talking more of like actual, like illegal things that if you upload, you, you go to jail for, like there's no exemptions for that. Um, So that's the government already has a, uh, historical, um, what is it? Uh, uh, if something's reoccurring precedent, precedent, historical precedent for how they, uh, treat media being uploaded. And the Mm -hmm. only difference between this and those cases of illegal things being uploaded is, um, these are considered art, right? Yeah. Right. (laughs) So yeah, falls under that category. So yeah, I don't think we're going to get any actual answer but I just thought it was a good, cool idea to discuss. Um, yeah. Considering it's relative to what we do and sure. somebody's voting on it right now. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. really strange. And, yeah. and that, that industry can affect our industry. It can, it can all come, yeah, come down the pipeline. We want to make or film or. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It, it would dictate what we're allowed to produce as artists. And that's pretty weird. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah. What are, you, what are you drawing in your notebook, kid? You know? Yeah. Is that lawful? You're yeah. Like, what? Yeah. At what point does the government get to dictate, like, your drawing? Is it at the point of sale? Oh, it's like, you can draw it. You just can't sell it because, you know. <laughs> or, like, do you, like, arrest a kid because of what he drew? Like, because, I mean, it's a video game versus a movie versus like a picture mm. is it illegal if i take a bunch of pictures and then i flip them and now it's like it's a movie because it uh what is it, a pictogra- flip page <laughs> flip page book yep. or whatever it's like is that illegal mm. um <laughs> there's just there's too many uh there's too many variables i don't know how you would ever moderate that on a legal scale yeah. like how do you how would you even manage it? it's i don't think it's possible yeah and i skimmed a quick article and there's there's a couple other things that they think contribute to it so yeah but that was that was what they wanted to vote on correct specifically yes. yes there's people who've brought up with i don't know why video games get targeted so much but like they with the historical video games that people had a problem with like playing as a soldier on the opposite team which happened to be nazi germany it's like why should we be forced to play as a Nazi? It's like, because that's, there needs to be a, a Nazi team. This is World War II. And it's just like, so oh, you want to play against AI uh, yeah. the entire time? Yeah. So like yeah. if you're playing an online game and, and there's two teams and the storyline of the game was like, uh, World War II, U.S. is invading and then there's a defending side. If you're playing online, there has to be opposition. So you're yeah. just saying that there were people complaining that they had to play as a Nazi. Yeah, but since it's a World War II game and you want to be accurate to World War II, yeah. you don't want to just be red team versus blue team. It's well, like, didn't I, a company just put out yeah. a game like that and then they changed World War II? They changed it from Nazis to something else? I don't know. That came out, I thought that was yeah. in the news like a couple of years ago and the game flopped. I don't. That might have been a Battlefield game. I thought it was. I feel like I played it recently, and yeah. I was very confused about how it was about World War Two. Yeah. Like no, zo- no zombies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so. thinking about Call of Duty, the Nazi zombies. Remember that? Yeah. Zombies <laughs> <laughs> So like <laughs> that was a great game. Yeah. No, that's another good one. It's like, um, as an artist, is it mm-hmm. okay to like take a take a piece of historical context and then alter it with creative intent? Because whenever they do it for um, Assassin's Creed, oh, it's such a cool game. Like it takes, mm-hmm. uh, it's during like a historical piece and people love it because it's creative and new. But if you do it for World War II, it's bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're like, where does... Like, nobody wants to see a movie from like the Nazi perspective. Like, like you would just get I mean, a kind of true, crap. yeah. Well, any... like that's historic. What, what if it was like historically accurate of like some guy's family like going through it? But nobody wants to see that, and nobody wants to argue to like we should see it. But like, well, true. you have the same thing for yeah. um, 
uh, Japan side during Pearl Harbor. You have Mao mm-hmm. China. Yeah. I've never played a video game where you're of the Mao dynasty, yeah. you know, starving your own people or Stalin, <laughs> Stalin starving your own people because you Press killed X all the farmers. Of people. <laughs> yeah, like, <there's, laughs> Press X to starve. <laughs> <laughs> to your point. There's just it's no the video games. game they use to weed out the people who would do it. They're yeah, like, if FBI you hit, made the game, if you like, hit right. X, you're out. But yeah. if you hit B and you feed your people, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, holy uh, moly! <laughs> but there's always my point being with all this. There's always going to be people yeah. on both sides that think historical things should remain historical for yes. that for mm-hmm. the concept of yeah. remembering them. Yes. And there's going to be people that like, what if we took a creative approach? And outside of video games, one mm-hmm. of the better examples I could think of was Tom Hanks in um, the movie where he plays a dude with chocolate. <laughs> Dang, Forrest Gump, dude. It's like one of the best <laughs> movies ever made. It is. Call yourself a filmmaker. A lot of people were upset whenever that movie came out because Forrest Gump was a fictional person that <laughs> takes place in a lot of historical events in an unrealistic manner where he's a part of uh, uh, the Berlin Wall coming down and then he's <laughs> he's fighting in Vietnam. There's a lot of amazing VFX shots in that movie. There is. They're really, yeah. Sorry, but Great it's movie. the first thing I think of because I'm like knowing when it was made and then what they did it was phenomenal yeah yeah i mean it's, it's still one of my favorite movies yeah that he you couldn't remember because he liked apples yeah <laughs> <laughs> played ping pong and went to the uh olympics uh, the chinese olympics yeah I think. oh my so, gosh so that was just another example of art where while most mm. people majority of people that uh, viewed it like the movie there's always going to be a number of people that think historical things should stay historical so yeah again no way to moderate it artists gonna make art yeah. it's true it's true is it really art if you're not offending a couple people though ah. <laughs> at least you got viewers and, and <laughs> hey there's always for the viewers. there's, there's always somebody out there thumbs downing something that we know is yeah. awesome logan paul out there is like making his living off of people hating his videos yeah. <laughs> this is true <laughs> it was like i want to see money mayweather hit him in the face i just want to see him get punched <laughs> you know there's a long list of people probably <laughs> Including me. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. I have not kept track of time. I could care less. Do you see the time code up there? Where are we at? Are we good? Oh, um, I don't know. Two hours? <laughs> <laughs> We're An in hour trouble. An hour and ten? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, is there anything on here that you want to touch on? That's nah, okay. We can we can roll over some of this. That way we... Cruella... Deville trailer? We can talk about it. All right, all right. It's fi- it's film. David gets to pick. What is it? Uh, What's the next thing Daft, we talk about? Daft Punk breaking up. Cruella Deville's new trailer. The Sony FX3 or shirts. <laughs> well, the <laughs> only thing I've heard <laughs> in the list was Daft Punk. Is that what you want to talk That's about? That's the only thing I've heard about for like the past week couple days is daft punk breaking up okay and like i don't want to be insensitive but like how long do bands normally make music and then decide to stop anyway like Uh, it's like 28 years isn't that like a really good run it is a really good run unless you're like metallica or ozzy osbourne yeah really or kiss yeah (laughs) those guys have been doing it forever (laughs) and a half (laughs) they're never gonna stop yeah, he has a song. That's Never like, gonna die. Tag, tag team has the commercial about the cookie dough. They're still together. Uh, this is true. <laughs> Scoop, there it is. <laughs> that's the most dad commercial I've ever seen. I liked it. It was good. But anyways, yeah, no, twenty eight years. Daft, Daft Punk, Punk, man. Uh, like I think it's it's a weird idea. As an artist, you make art and put it out into the world, and you hope people like it. But whenever that following gets so intense or too or so big, you're always going to have people on the edge that are just a little too much of fans. They're just they're a little too friendly with their opinions. And um, yes, as an artist to have people that like help support you and get you where you are and make you famous or whatever, tell you what you can and can't produce or who you yeah. can and can't work with or 
when you can quit or when you have to release albums is such a weird thing. Well, nobody knows who they look like, right? That yeah. they, they've had their, fa- so. their masks on the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Good on them. That's one of the smartest things they probably have ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Although I agreed one of you guys said it earlier. It's like, why don't they just put new people in the mask and just keep the thing going? Yeah. 300 years of Daft Punk. Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows how they lived forever, but it had something to do with blockchain. They're not people anymore. It's just an idea. People. Blockchain. Oh, my oh, God. All the blockchain. Not the blockchain people. All right. Just AI. Yeah, if you like if you like blockchain, better like this video. That's uh, that's the podcast. <laughs> that's it. Oh wow, we're done. That's it. We're done. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. See you in two weeks. We we did not mention what we're gonna talk about next one. No leads, but it's all good. Nothing's happening next time. Next time we talk about Neanderthals. <laughs> Did they make art? We'll never know. <laughs> they just rubbed their own feces on cave walls. Oh, <laughs>